the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 50 featuring Allison Mateau. Allison is a professional hockey player for the Buffalo Buttes in the National Women's Hockey League. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Yeah, Allison, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, if you can just introduce yourself, tell us who you are and um, sport you play, your journey, all that. Yeah. Uh, well, Allison Mateau, um, I play hockey, women's hockey. I... Um, did four years at the University of Maine, um, played on Team Canada prior to that, played for the Buffalo Buttes in the NWHL after that. Um, like we just mentioned, I went to school, studied psych. I now work at a addiction treatment center, a therapy home as a counselor. And um, yeah, I have a dog named Miley, my best friend, one brother. Um, yeah, that's about it. What kind of dog? It's a mini golden doodle. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. No, but uh, before we end the, you know, the rest of this stuff, kind of talk about your experience in the NWHL and how that's been and, um, you know, with the bubble this year and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, with the state of the world, obviously, it's very different. Um, like everything is obviously very different. Mm-hmm hockey wise it was nice to be able to get a few games in after I took a full year off after I graduated at Maine so it was nice to be able to you know just be around a team again like you know obviously how how cool it is to to be around teammates all the time and just share that experience with them and obviously the bubble experience was a unique this year because it was more like a tournament it felt like we were like kids again like all in the same hotel room and stuff obviously we had to respect protocol and everything but and like Placid is a pretty amazing town to be able to do that. So it was, it was pretty cool to, to be able to experience that. Yeah. And you uh, went to Northwood prep there, obviously with uh, Kaylee Hodgson. She was on the podcast previous episode. Um, how cool of an experience was that to kind of get back there and um, be in the old stomping grounds? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we have a lot of memories, good and bad from that town. So it was really cool to, to be able to tie all those chapters in my life together and just be in that moment there. And to do that alongside my best friend was, um, I mean, it was just, can't make that up. It, it, it was just perfect and in its own way. And um, yeah, I mean, we were able, I was able to walk by my, our old school and just from the outside, just kind of see the grounds and everything. So that was nice to, 
you know, order food from our old restaurants and mm. little things like that. Right. That, that was yeah. never quite nice. I haven't been able to do that since I graduated from Northwood. So that's pretty nice. Yeah. That's a cool experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of just talk about, you know, so obviously you're in the mental health field and um, in that sort of space. So I'll kind of talk about, you know, what you're doing now specifically and um, some of the stuff that you've uh, personally struggled with in the past or, you know, if you continue to struggle, that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, to answer your first question, what I do now, I, 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 like I said, I work as a counselor in a, in a therapy home and an addiction treatment center. So there's a lot of, of mental health stuff there for sure. Um, so the, not to get into any specifics or anything, but just um, having to do those one-on-one -on -one meetings with people who've dealt with very traumatic things, very different from the type of mental health stuff that I've had to, to deal with. But what working there makes me realize is that like suffering and, and pain and mental health, like it doesn't have a face, like you can't measure it, you know, like everyone suffers in their own way. And it, it's, it's, you know, like, like, like I said, you can't compare it. And it's just, it's, I can relate to these people in in my own way. And by that, I'm able to help them, you know, overcome certain things and try to help them see certain things in a different light with the perspective that I've gained through my own experiences and stuff. So it's, it's really cool to tie all that together and have these people trust me to do that with them. It's, it's, and it always brings me back into my stuff and it helps me heal my stuff as well. So it's, it's a pretty cool uh, environment for me to be in actually. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you mentioned that um, you said it has no face, correct? Yeah. I think it's kind of can tie into the fact that they manifest differently for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that people show that they're struggling is very different. Some people become very quiet and, you know, isolate. I think majority of people tend to kind of isolate, but then you mm -hmm. see a lot of people who are very loud and, it's almost like a, um, have very, yeah, I guess like just loud emotions and loud personalities. And that's their way of kind of pushing it down or hiding it by like the over-exaggeration of like, oh, I'm fine. Like, you know, yeah. the quote unquote, like, you know, party animals, that sort of thing. And um, I think it's just uh, important to be able to kind of talk about that because I think it's hard to see in people, but if you can kind of recognize like, oh, this person's acting slightly out of character, I think it makes it easier to identify okay, they might be having an issue, you know, especially yeah. I think isolation one I think is a little bit easier, but sometimes it's, uh, it's some of the, you know, funniest and loudest people, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, for sure. You mentioned that it made me think of when at Maine, like it's very easy to hide that you're not doing well in an environment where um, partying is, is extremely acceptable. It's not almost like, it is like, it's just a part of the culture, right? It's a big part of the experience. So you know, it sometimes if you don't know someone very well, like they can be seem like they seem to be doing extremely well, but really in reality, they're just trying to fill in that void and doing that in a loud manner. And exactly. So it's yeah. tough. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, like I was definitely the type to kind of be like that. I like to have my fun and I lived in a hockey house. So I kind of, you know, it was easy for me to hide behind that sort of thing. And, um, it's just, uh, it's funny cause you're in a, such a close environment. I think college is like, at least for me, it's the closest you'll ever be in a locker room with guys mm -hmm. and gals, but, um, it's also the easiest environment to hide. And I think it's, uh, it's a catch 22 there where you really have to just kind of obviously 
keep an eye on yourself, but keep an eye on your teammates as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of just uh, talk about some of the stuff that you've um, personally dealt with and whatever you feel most comfortable sharing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I'll give a brief overview of me, I guess, but um, I came out as les as gay, lesbian when I was 12, I think. Um, so that's pretty young to come out with something like that. Um, you know, and the, the, the love and the acceptance that I received, I, I can't thank those people enough, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter how everyone around you is. It, it's what's going on on the inside with that and anything else. Like, it doesn't matter what someone tells you. If you're not doing well with it, you're not doing well with it. So I had a really hard time with that, adjusting with that and accepting myself and fitting in in society. And, you know, I, I grew up, my, my father and my brother both played professional hockey so it's, it's a very heterosexual male dominated environment that I grew up in. So it, I just felt like an outcast a lot. And, you know, also the pressure of, I play women's hockey. My brother plays in the NHL. My father did, did that for his whole, like, that's what he did as a career as well. So that anxiety of, am I ever going to be good enough? I'm never going to be able to make a living out of this, but I'm, I'm just as passionate, you know, if not more for doing it for, for little to nothing. Right. So that definitely, um, those are some things that have affected me and just, you know, I have certain issues with just overall normal generalized anxiety that came from those experiences. Just like I said, it, issues fitting in and everything so that you mix that with a college experience this like move forward a few years I was still anxious I was still not fully comfortable with myself so you you mix in partying with that and it can kind of get out of hand and it, it did at times get out of hand in Maine and I definitely hid behind that and when I wasn't hiding behind that, I was isolating. I was hiding myself. I was, I was embarrassed about things that I've done. And, you know, so it was back and forth with that a lot while, while I was in college. So. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I remember always just kind of seeing you around the rink and just seeing you out, you know, outside of campus and outside of the rink. And you always just kind of seemed so calm, cool and collected, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I was like, Oh, like, how could you possibly be like, and, you know, hearing that you were anxious that whole time. It's like, how, like you just seem so calm, cool and collected, but I guess it's kind of like, a way of in your in your way coping with yeah. kind of some of the things you're going through and um yeah I think uh when you said you came out at 12 years old you said correct right so that's super young to be that self-aware and to understand that you know this is who I am and and while you said that yeah you were struggling with personal acceptance I have to commend you that the fact that you know there's people who wait till they're in their 20s 30s 40s and people who never do so I think uh you know, it's commendable that at such a young age, you were able to be so self-aware and kind of recognize this is who you are. And, you know, the self-acceptance aspect, I think is always a work in progress. And, um, you know, you can't beat yourself up too much, too much for that at all. But um, I think, uh, you know, like I said, it's commendable to be, you know, self-aware like that. And, you know, you see now that the way things are in the world, I think uh, we still have ways to come as far as acceptance of that sort of stuff. And I know it, it can be hard in, in the athletic spectrum in the athletic world but um no I think that's uh very commendable of you for sure I appreciate that um but you you mentioned self-acceptance that I I had my experience with self-acceptance and self-love through my sexuality 
but everybody everybody is faced with like needing to self-accept self-love in their own ways like it so I had to do it I was almost forced to do it at a younger age because I had to show I accepted myself in order to be accepted from everyone else in a way but I always tell like people when they say things like that like everybody everybody has their way of needing to find out how to self-love self-appreciate self-respect like in different faces different faces of doing that so Mm -hmm. what were some of the ways that you found worked for you um on your journey of like that self-acceptance and self-love kind of things that you found that you know that that helped you in 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 coping with that and realizing that Mm -hmm. well at the beginning i made a lot of jokes like, I, I don't know if you've ever heard me. I, I'm very, when I'm with people I don't know or whatever, I'll joke about it, my, like my sexuality to make sure they know that I know that they know type of thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't like, it's just more comfortable. Um, so for a while, I found that that worked for me. Just, you know, making people comfortable through like humor. Yep. And, but then I realized that that was just insecurity coming out, like, it's not funny. Like it's, it's my reality. I don't need to joke about it to show people that I accept myself and that mm-hmm. I expect like, you know, I expect a, that in a friendship relationship, whatever it may be. Um, so I kind of just flipped over that conversation to more just, um, just being true to that. Like no need to, no need to joke about it. Obviously I, when there's times to joke at, like, whatever but just to be true to that and by respecting myself in the conversations that I have with others I lead I lead the conversation in the sense that I I expect to be respected the way that I respect myself right so just like in anything but like I said again this is how I my experience with self-acceptance but just showing what I expect and how I, I hope to be treated I treat myself that way so by mm-hmm. joking about it, people will, are going to joke about it too, but it's not, it's, I was sending the wrong message, but mm-hmm. for a while, that's what I needed in order to, to be okay, I guess. So that mm-hmm. worked for me for a while. Yeah. I mean, that makes complete sense. I mean, um, <clears throat> that's something I did. I was joking about my anxiety as well. Like I would always mm-hmm. joke about it. And then, you know, as I'm sure, you know, words carry weight and, um, like you said, there's a time and place to joke about certain stuff and, you know, it's okay that you can feel comfortable, but at the end of the day, you're the one leading the conversation about yourself and the words that you put out and the energy you put out, people are going to receive that and kind of give it back to you. And if you're making jokes, it's fine. But if it's like coming off in like a negative way or just like almost like hiding something, it's not going to be beneficial for, you know, that person or for yourself in your personal growth. And, um, I think being able to recognize that is important, but it's hard to recognize that, you know, you, you want to hide behind jokes. It's easy. It, it, it keeps light of the situation, you know, it, but um, yeah, it's just important to understand that words do carry weight and the things that you speak out, um, whether if they're negative, they will come back and, and return, you know, negative thoughts, negative feelings, and um, you know, negative people too, negative comments, negative remarks. So I think it's uh, like you said, finding that balance, finding that time and place and just understanding that this is your reality and, you know, being wholeheartedly accepting of that and um, not completely joking about it every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, how would you say, you obviously said that, you know, you got a lot of love and acceptance from the people around you. Um, talk about kind of the athletic 
aspect of it and you know being in the locker room being around you know your fellow teammates and um how that was received there and and kind of just you know coping with being an athlete and going through you know the mental health stuff yeah um i mean i think that on a team woman or men's sport like there's a lot of people who are um struggling (laughs) it's a very especially in college like it's so demanding what we do is actually like it's insane the amount like the work now that I'm out I see it because I have so much time on my hands and it's just like it's just so we're so packed with everything which I think could be good for certain people because structure and like you know you're keeping busy and you're accomplishing things and everything but um, I think being on a team obviously you're never gonna get along with everybody the same Uh, what I found was good was I had a few people that I knew no matter like no matter what I could, I could fall back on and I can, I call at any time of the day. And, you know, I built really, really strong friendships and relationships and stuff throughout my years. And to this day, like, I'm sure you as well, like I have my, my people that no matter what, like I, I talk to them every day still, and we help each other out and, you know, we give each other our perspectives to, because sometimes it's just, it's just that we're in our own heads. We're, we're struggling with something, but we need a perspective and it's, it's easier to get that perspective from someone we trust and that knows us. So you spend so much time when you're on a team or you you play sports or whatever, you spend so much time with these people. So you, I think I, what was important, what I did and was I took the time to really get close to certain people, you know, and I, I think that, I had a good experience with that, being able to be open and be who I was. And I know on my teams, I've never had any issue personally with, um, with that type of stuff, negative with uh, any of that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. good. I think it's important to find your people. And like you mm-hmm. said, college hockey is extremely demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, being a college student is demanding and being a student athlete is demanding. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It sets you up for success in many ways due to the structure. I think a lot of people thrive on that. I, I'm definitely one of them, but it is very demanding. I think if you can find those people that you can always go to for, it's not even just like guidance or help. It's just being able to have someone that you can just get things out of your head and, and just mm-hmm. speak them out there and have someone say, okay, I hear you. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have the answer for you, but I hear you and I'm here for you. I think it's so crucial. And that's why I think it's important to be a good person, be a good teammate, be a good friend and be available for, for people because having that stuff kind of festering your head is um, very unhealthy and mm-hmm. it, that stuff compounds and um, it can be super detrimental for mental health, physical health, mm-hmm. and it really can deteriorate a person. So that's great that you had, you know, your people that you could trust and, mm-hmm. and talk to. Um, did you ever seek therapy and, and, you know, if you did, how, how did you find that help for you? And if you didn't, was it just something you didn't feel comfortable with? Kind of talk about, you know, your experience with that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I mean, I have a, I've done a bunch of type of different types of therapies and stuff. I like in the second grade, I think I, I, they, they forced me to do anger management. <laughs> so I was like punching brick walls and stuff. I was really angry and I had, I had a lot of pain young, um, you know, I've, I've seen there, there's times my parents sent me when I was younger because I, I wasn't 
I wasn't doing well. And at Maine, I, I, I got put on academic probation and I had to do merit, mandatory drug and alcohol counseling. I had to do mandatory like AA meetings and which helped, obviously I, I was ha- like any type, I think any type of therapy is beneficial. Um, some, some don't fit as well with certain people, but I think that, you know, having that scheduled time to, to let things out and talk to someone who's not a friend and like have them give you tools from a neutral perspective, I I think is extremely benefit. I think it should be like mandatory. (laughs) You know, I think everybody should have that option to be able to, you know, free themselves of, of, of stuff because we accumulate like traumas and pains throughout our lives. And then because of society is so fast paced, we don't really have time to look back on these things, right? They just accumulate. And then we wonder why we act a certain way when something triggers us. It's just like, we haven't dealt with it. Right. And you mix in a, a whole bunch of people who haven't dealt with, with traumas together. And it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. So I've had some good experiences with therapy. Like I've had some bad, but like I said before, I think it's about finding what, what type of therapy and what type of like person works with you. You know, I, I, I work well with therapists who, who like, I can like swear, like it's stupid, but that I can swear with, or that they'll swear with me. Like, I like when it's, I like when they're, they're to the point and no, Mm. like, no, like pity. Right. I like when it's like, just like, they're real with you. Yeah. I like when they're real with me. Exactly. So that works well with me when, they can tell me like it is and like see through my bullshit if I'm mm-hmm. if I, like, so I, that works well with me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. You mentioned, um, you know, the word tools and just having someone who, you know, is a professional in that field. I think it's so important because there is a stigma behind seeing a therapist. And I think the biggest thing is just people don't feel comfortable talking with someone they don't know, mm-hmm. which I totally understand. But at the end of the day, um, First of all, there's confidentiality agreements, so they can't tell anybody. One, mm-hmm. two, that the conversation that you have is never going to leave that that um, that office, that room, and it's never going to leave between you and that person. But like you said, the tool they really can give you some major tools and, and help you kind of shift your perspective on why your thought process is that way, why you know your why your brain is conditioned to think in certain patterns and it can kind of help you reshift that and change certain things, tweak certain things, or just give you a different perspective, which I think is important. Um, you also mentioned that you've had some good experiences and some bad. I think it's another thing that it's important to talk about. Every therapist you go to, isn't going to be the best therapist that you go to. I mean, it, the one that I see is probably great for me, but could be terrible for you. It's just a matter of finding what fits for you and you know, where you're clicking with that person. You know, like you want someone who's real and who's going to tell you straight up like this is like, yeah, I see that you're bullshit. Like, this is what you're doing. Like, stop, cut the shit, like figure it out. Do this, do this. You know, you're doing this wrong. Some people don't, some people don't need that. And some people don't feel comfortable in that situation. So I think it's important to, to find what works for you, um, which I think is important because I think when people struggle with mental health, they always look elsewhere for, you know, comparison. And I think it's, um, that's the last thing you should do. I think it's just all about what works for you. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. And, you know, I always say this, but a comfort zone is good, but it's, it's, it's not always good. And going out of your comfort zone and try to find someone 
and let's say it doesn't work the first time you don't click with that therapist like being uncomfortable enough to go and find another one you know like I think that's that's extremely important and people would be missing out if they wouldn't take that step you know Mm -hmm. you know that's where growth happens growth happens outside of the comfort zone um it's funny because as athletes we're so willing to do you know the extra work and go the extra mile for our for our bodies for the sport that we love but you know they say 90 percent of, of sports and athletics is mental but we're only focusing on 10 percent majority of the time um i think it's important to treat the mind with the same amount of importance if not more i think more 100 percent with yeah. more importance than the way we do our physical bodies because we talked about some previous episodes you can do all the summer training you want you can do all the extra work you know, all the extra stick handling drills, power skating, whatever it is you do to develop as a, as a player. But if you don't have the tools to be able to keep your brain in, in the right framework and keep your mental health in check, it all goes to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, like, for example, I, I take pride in, in how hard I work in the off season. My first year pro, I came home twice to see a therapist for two weeks at a time. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I worked so hard in the summer for my, for my body to prime myself for my first year of professional hockey. And what do I have to show for it? I'm, I'm home anyway, seeing a therapist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want other players to go through that same thing. I want them to just, hey, recognize ahead of time that there's something that you need to check out and do it beforehand. So that way it's not middle of the season or, yeah. you know, at least you have tools for the middle of the season. Um, cool. Yeah, it's tools. Like, that's the exactly. thing. Like, it's, it's not about going to therapy for a year and then thinking you're going to be cured. It's about finding the tools that when – you're having an off day, you can, you can make, minimize that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to be like, life is about, you know, overcoming adversity. That's all it is. Like the good doesn't exist without the bad. You mm-hmm. we, like, they coexist for yeah. a reason. And that, that's, what's beautiful about it. Like it's minimizing the bad and like being able to get out of that quicker and healthier and without having negative coping mechanisms. Like it, it's, that's what it is. And it's tools like, and it's tools that work for that individual person that are important. Yeah. I think that's a very key point. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned about there's no good without the bad. Mm-hmm. They coexist and that is what makes life beautiful. And understanding that is important. Life is all adversity, like you said, and it's not supposed to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to understand that there's going to be hard times and that there has to be hard times is, is just important. Um, and it's just important for personal growth and yeah, you keep harping on the personal tools that work for you. And I think it's, can't speak on that enough. It's, it's important to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and experimenting with that, um, you know, it, it takes time. I'm journaling more and more. I thought Mm -hmm. meditation was good for me and I was trying it here and there, but I'm finding more benefits with journaling. Mm -hmm. I think just like taking those thoughts, throwing them on a piece of paper, I have a whiteboard it's feel like a madman because i'm just like thoughts <laughs> but it, but it helps me kind oh, of yeah. like you know yeah like a little less nervous and like the, the nervous energy um yeah. i want to go back to something you said too not to get too off track but you, you mentioned that at two years old was it that you were having like anger management was it or and it was in the second or grade. second grade I was, sorry, I, was sorry. Like yeah. six or, I was like six or seven so i was pretty young yeah. it's it's kind of funny i was like similar it wasn't anger for me it was more so just like high energy and i would like act out physically but it wasn't like malicious i would just like push people and stuff like that because i was like so high they told me oh it's just energy it's just energy and it was like super young around the same age as you 
And then all of a sudden it started developing into like night terrors and mm. panic attacks. And it's like that energy never really went away. It just transferred differently. I think it's important from a parental standpoint, realizing, okay, like let's monitor this because mm-hmm. this could be something else manifesting through anger or, you know, high energy, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, do you find that hockey has been a good la- outlet for you as far as being able to transfer that energy into something physical? Mm, I think yes. Like short answer. Yes, of course. I mean, the the benefits of it are unbelievable but also the stressors of it are unbelievable it like like we were saying earlier it is it's extremely stressful and like it's but again good without bad it doesn't exist it's I think I've gotten a lot more good from the sport than I did bad um but even just like performance anxiety like you know, without hockey, that wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be anxious to, like, make breakfast, you know what I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. anxious to mess up my eggs, like, it's not the same type of anxiety that is created in the day-to-day, um, but it's such an unbelievable feeling when it's going well, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's such a rewarding sport, and just everything that comes with it is, is unbelievable, you know, just being able to get a full scholarship to go to university and study like in school, I've never been big in school, but like, I loved, I loved learning while I was there. And like, sometimes when I was in it, I would complain about things. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is such a cool, like mm-hmm. experience. And I talk to people who've never been to university or whatever, and they're such in awe. And I'm like, well, this is just I, in my head. I'm like, why well, didn't, I'm not in the NHL, like my brother and my dad. So it's not that big of a deal, but like, I'm this, I think I'm the first or second person in my whole family to go to college like that's pretty cool so I try to give myself credit for that so definitely, yeah. no definitely should definitely should yeah. give yourself credit that's a huge accomplishment yeah. and that's awesome sure. um talk about you know quickly to just um the shift in now being a professional in the sport and mm-hmm. kind of managing that and how that experience has been for you mm-hmm. um I mean I think taking a year off helped me um realize like taking a step back I I took a full year off I wasn't working or anything I was just raising my dog and um just doing I don't know I I don't know what I was doing but (laughs) (laughs) um what was your question I forgot well just kind of being Um, a professional in in sport now and um how that experience has been for you yeah yeah taking that year off helped me realize certain stressors that I had and certain pressures that I put on myself in college with hockey. Um, And I've always like hockey is fun. Like I have fun at hockey, right? Like I, it's just fun for me. So this year I really, really try to emphasize that it's just like, it's just a game. It's, it's fun. I started this as a kid because it's fun. Like playing, like being able to play hockey with your friends. Like that's so cool. And to be able to make some money out of it, like, so this year I really tried to stay in my, like the moment, like the present moment, not compare myself to, to my brother or my father or whatever. And just really, it's just fun. Like just, it's, it sounds like stupid that I'm saying that, but I just tried to really remember that it's just a sport and to just try to like this season, just be grateful, you know? So that, that, that I was a lot less anxious around hockey this year 
So that was uh, that's, that was, that's good. Yeah. Was nice, yeah. You said it sounds um, so it was like what did you say simple was it or or but like having fun with it. Yeah. I think it's like the most important thing. Oh yeah. And yeah. If you're not having fun with it, then what's the point of doing it? One and two, I think your success level is going to decrease because you don't love what you're doing if you're not passionate about it and if you're not having fun with it. I just don't see a point. And mm-hmm. we all got into the sport because we loved it and we thought it was fun. So why does it have to change the older we get? Mm-hmm. Well, also be like so serious now and like no, like it's not what it's yeah. about. It's it's a kid's game and you should treat it as such and you know have fun and play. Um, so I think that's a, a very important thing. Was did this reading you took off that year because of um, mental health was kind of stepping back? Um, yeah. So yeah, pretty much when I like a few weeks before I graduated from Maine, my, my parents got divorced. Um, so, and then I, I got kicked off the team <laughs> like a week before my senior game um, and stuff in the relationship I was in at the time ended. Like a lot of things happened in like three weeks um, that kind of like shocked me. So there's this bit and like, you know, and ending college is a, is a big chapter to close. So there's just a lot of things that happened that kind of were difficult and I don't, I wasn't ready to jump into something else and like give my time to something new. Um, so I really took that time. Like I got it. I got my dog that, like I was saying earlier, I got my dog and that, like, that's what I did. I, I put my focus into that and I just tried to enjoy life. I was playing, like I played, I played guitar a bit. I was just playing music. I was just listening to music. I was just playing with my dog and kind of, like breathing through the experience it, mm-hmm. it, it was a super weird year it did it like it was it felt surreal I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to do that not a lot of people like can you know not work for a year and just <laughs> like play music and yeah. hang out with a dog so mm-hmm. I'm it, it it that switched my perspective um on life completely it was very eye-opening and as difficult as that year was, it was one of the most blissful, peaceful, like times I've, I've ever, I've ever experienced. So like good and bad were together, yeah, like very strongly. So. And um, now you feel you have more, you know, more of an appreciation for the sport and being more grateful. Yeah, think, exactly. Um, when you get so caught up in it, you forget to be grateful for being able to still play. Exactly. Um, especially at the highest level as well. So I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's awesome. And, um, don't want to take up too much of your time, but just one last question. Um, just a word of advice for anyone who is going through what you went through or um, maybe is struggling with some of the same things you struggled with. What's something that you would tell them or something that you would have wanted to know? Mm. Um, patience, you know, like we tend to, because of our fast society that we now live in, we tend to need to deal with things immediately or else we're not good right we're not good we hit like we're hard on ourselves like there's no time there's no time that things need to be solved right it's like we said it's just chipping away at it and being patient with with ourselves and you know also a big thing is balance like it's not all like it's not all one thing life is constructed of many different aspects and it's trying to you know balance like spread it out like with hockey like it's not just hockey right we have other things going on and it's trying to 
just spread it out and just you know life isn't that serious right we it's like it's all good every it's all good Mm -hmm. you know even when it's bad like it's all good like very rarely do we need to deal with something immediately our anxiety makes us think we do Mm -hmm. because that's just what it does to our brain but very rarely is there an immediate danger you know that's why that patience i think is extremely important to be able to overcome any hardship you know yeah definitely i think uh being hard on yourself i think as an athlete we're all programmed to be hard on ourselves because you have to always find your flaws otherwise you're not going to get better and just you know what i mean so it's oh, like, yeah. no, so sure. i think it's just kind of being able to understand that yeah i'm not going to get you know i'm not going to be perfect and i'm if mm-hmm. i'm if i am ever going to be perfect i'm not going to get there today or tomorrow so mm-hmm. being patient with yourself and being able to slow down yeah i think oh, yeah. it's huge especially in how fast paced the world we live in. I think um, we're starting to, you know, get that instant gratification feeling all the time. And when it comes to personal growth and personal development, I think it's, that's not going to happen overnight at all. So mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And I think, um, no, I just, I think you said a lot of great things that a lot of people are going to benefit from. And um, I think you've taken a very mature approach to, you know, how you've dealt with everything and I commend you for everything. So um, thank you again so much for, for coming on and um you know sharing your story really appreciate it of course thank you i think what you're doing is uh is extremely important and not a lot of people would go out of the ways to do that and i i commend you for that i i i i thank you for that it's gonna i think you're gonna help a lot of people by doing that and hopefully it'll help yourself too you know yeah no appreciate that thank you so much and um yeah unfortunately flo wasn't was able to be here today but He's just as much a part of this as I am. And um, that's our job is to just try and help as many people as we can. So, you know, you've been part of the process. This is going to help a lot of people. So um, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you.